0: I'm Bonnie Keen, And I'm Nan Gurley. Pull up a chair and join us for a kitchen table conversation.
1: We'd like to invite you to explore the lives of the women of the Bible. We know we're going to find encouragement and the faith we
0: need to keep going. And there's always a place at the table for you. Here we go. Also, a quick reminder, if you'd like to purchase
1: a copy of our Women Who Dare to Believe Bible Studies, you can reach us at our Facebook page or at WomenWhoDareToBelieve.com. Today our topic is a delicate one, and we hope to handle this story with tenderness and sensitivity. I do want to say that if you have young children listening, you might want to listen to this later, but I think middle school to high school up-aged girls in particular would benefit from having a conversation
0: with you after this. Breaking news, the Hebrew Gazette, if these walls could speak, early this morning screams were heard coming from the halls of the palace through the windows of the daughter of King David. Tamar was sighted, tearing her richly colored robes and openly shrieking, completely undone. Until today, our beautiful young princess wore robes of a virgin. If reports prove true, then her wailing suggests foul play.
1: Today, our heroine is a beloved daughter of God, another woman named Tamar. Her story is difficult, and it's shared by so many women. Perhaps you share her wounds, or maybe somebody close to you has suffered in the
0: same way as Tamar. She's a hero to us because she represents every sexual abuse victim who has ever lived. Her story blazes from the pages of the Bible to remind us of how God hates sexual abuse and any lies perpetrated to cover it up. That's exactly right. Sometimes uh, injustice
1: and unfairness and cruelty of this life here at this side of heaven can be overwhelming. It can be so demoralizing to people that they're left desolate for the rest of their lives. Mm -hmm. A victim of violent abuse often spends a lifetime trying to get past what happened in recovery. It's especially hard to heal when they've been given the message that what happened to them, maybe they brought it on, or it's minimalized, dismissed, it's
0: kept secret, it's never brought into the light. never taken to heart. And we have Tamar to thank for keeping a light shining on the pain of the abused. God will not cover up or leave out of the Bible even the ugliest deeds done to the weak. He takes personally what happens to his girls. There's no doubt where God stands on this issue and on the consequences of those who attempt to escape judgment. Sexual abuse has been described as stealing the soul. So let's respectfully examine the life of Tamar, the daughter of King. David. In case you're tempted to skip over this podcast, we urge you to be aware of how prevalent rape is in our culture. It's an underreported crime that continues to steal many a precious soul. And speaking of precious souls, <laughs> you are that to me, Bon. <clears throat> and back to you. You shared with me years and years ago about your own personal experience with uh yeah. somebody who tried to assault you. No, he did. He did Ta- assault me. Do you
1: feel do you feel good about yeah. talking about it? It's It's uncomfortable, but Mm -hmm. I think it's worth it because I would like our listeners to know that we understand on some personal levels what this looks like. Right. Um, I was divorced and my children were very young and I was newly back on the dating scene. This was years ago. And the weird thing about this gentleman was for me, and maybe... Don't s- call him a gentleman. Oh, yeah, he wasn't a gentleman. You're right. Was that um, my kids were in a private Christian school here in town. His children were in a pri- the same school. He was single. We sat together at basketball games with the headmaster of the school. I, His daughter and my daughter were on the same team in middle school. So we watched games together. We were at practices together. I got to know him over a period of about six weeks, really thought I knew him. So you would say say that he was well thought of? Oh yeah, he was well thought of. He worked as a coach sometimes with the team.
0: Oh no. Which
1: is terrifying now when I look back on it. But um, about six weeks into this, he asked me out and I thought, oh, this is great. Well, you know, I've I've gotten to know him a little bit. Um, I had no warning signs whatsoever about what was going to happen. But when he asked me out, I mean, my biggest concern that night was, do I let him hold my hand? Do I let him kiss me at the end of the night? Like, is that being too open. And I remember calling one of my other friends and saying, what do you think I should do? Like, that was my biggest concern. So he was saying he wanted to go to dinner. I said, okay, I'll meet you. He said, no, 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 I'm a gentleman. I'm going to pick you up. (laughs) So I thought, well, that's unusual, but I don't really want him to come to my house. I kept saying, no, let me meet you. He kept saying, no, I always make a lady feel like I want to take care of her, blah, blah, blah. So I get all excited. Um, I get dressed for the date. I'm just you know nervous. Do I look okay? And Nan, he literally walked in my front door without saying hello and began to attack me, grab me, fondle me, grope me, kiss me, literally without even saying hello. And this is so out of my realm of experience altogether that number one, threw me, completely right. threw me off base. Right, And I'm someone who admittedly has had trouble with boundaries. <laughs> I should have thrown him out. I should have called the police. I should have done something immediately. I tried to talk with him and like calm him down. So this went on and this struggle went on for quite a while and a lot of lines were crossed. And it was horrible. It was terrifying. And I finally said, what What got him out of my house was I finally said, I think this is what you would call an, an attempted date rape in a legal court. Yeah. He was a lawyer. Oh, He yeah. kind of stood up and went, Yeah. Uh, Okay. And left. But this was like a long time of back and forth. Like, where's the man I've been talking to at the school? Where's the father of the daughter? Like, who is this? Who is this person that just attacked me? Jekyll and Hyde thing. Yeah, Jekyll and Hyde. And it really threw my comp. Like in the moment, panic, 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 panic. Didn't at one point? Didn't you get into the bathroom and lock the door? No, I did not lock the door. I should have. (laughs) I should. I should have kicked him out of my house. But you were trying to reason with him. and, And I tried to reason with him. And I wrote about this in a book that I wrote years ago, and it called it The Conversation with the Devil. Because I thought about when Jesus was confronted. That's a great title. When Jesus was confronted with the devil, he said, this is what the word says. And I should have, I remember at one point the guy said, you're a Christian, right? I said, yes. I'm not, you know, he goes, I guess you really do mean what you say. And I Gosh. said, Yes, I mean what I say. And I kept saying, Get away from me. What is happening? I kept trying to converse. Jesus didn't converse with the enemy.
0: Right. He just quoted he cut, scripture. He,
1: yes, quoted scripture and cut
0: him off. Well, you kind of did when you I said, tried. This is what the law says. Yes, I did. Yeah, that's true. And that got his attention. That's true.
1: Yeah. But I mean, um, and I, when I told several of my very godly, wonderful male kind of brother friends later, yeah. they're like, Why didn't you call me? One guy said, Oh, oh. And I said, I didn't think about that, you know. And then after, but what I've got to say, because with Tam- with a Tamar story, after this happened, the intense amount of shame I felt was overwhelming. I thought I had done something to make him think I would be a player like that. I then I felt ashamed that I didn't get him out of my house, and then I just felt this level of shame about. All of it. I went to talk to a really great pastor at that point. He said, you've got to tell the headmaster at the school, because if he's working with these girls as well. I said, I'm so ashamed. He said, you've got to start laying that shame at the cross. You've got to speak about it. And I did. I met with the headmaster. He was very grateful that I told him he pulled him out of that position,
0: Fabulous. but
1: his kids were still at the school. So whenever I would go to functions or whatever, he would stand. He was about six foot five. I'm almost six feet tall. He towered over me. Massive man. Physically overwhelming. Like, I couldn't get him off of me that night, you know. Gosh. But he would stand in places in the hall at the school where he knew I had to walk by and just stare at me. And it was... That's terrifying. And then my... Like, I'm talking about this right now, and to you, my insides are shaking. That makes me angry. It was awful. And I told my kids what happened, you know, on a general level. Right. And we started to kind of joke about it. We just called him the date rapist, and like (laughs) he would be at the concession stand where you have to go get your hot dog, you know, at the the ball game. And you know, Courtney would say date rapist at the pickles. Don't go by. (laughs) date rapist on the hall. But I and I finally got so angry that I would just stare and stare him right back in the eye, like don't you dare. Good. I did tell some other single mothers at the school about it. Oh, good. Because it it, it takes the power out of the shame when you start to talk about it. Right. But I think shame is the under lying um Evil that's happened with anyone that's gone through something like this, and it's so misplaced.
0: Yeah, it is it's misplaced. It's so unfair. It's very unfair. I remember when you told me about it. I fantasized about how satisfying it would be <laughs> to knock him out, well, to kick him in the police, <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> Sorry, ladies. But to also like stand in a public place and say, "You see this guy? Yes. Let me tell you who he really is." Oh, I wanted
1: to do that. This is a very upstanding lawyer. Yeah, had a successful firm. Then I felt bad for his kid. Oh yes. Yeah. So I really I relate to this story on some personal levels and my heart breaks for anybody out there listening, but I want you to take heart from what we have learned
0: in in looking at Tamar's story. And like you just said, Nan, God's love for his girls. Well and okay, let me ask you this before we move on from your personal experience. You know how Joseph said to his brothers in Egypt when they came and back and they were reconciled and how he said, you meant it, what you did to me for evil, but God meant it for good. Is there anything when you look back on what happened to you that you can say, yeah, Satan meant this for evil? This man was Controlled by Satan when he did what he did to me, he's wicked and evil and awful. But is there any reversal in this story for you? That's a good question. Is there anything you can um, go? You know, this was a horrific experience, but God showed me this, or yeah, I God mean, healed me this. You know, can you point to anything? Because I want our listeners, if they've experienced this, to know that there are reversals. Yes, that's
1: very important, Nan. That's awesome. Um, the first thing that comes to my mind
0: is that I
1: shared this story with fear and trembling because it's embarrassing. Yeah. But I shared it with a group of 300 single Christians at a conference. Really? First time I shared it. And I thought this is going to either ostracize me at this church or I, I don't know. I just had this fear. I mean, I people lined up to talk to me after that. One after the other after the other, crying and thanking me and wow. weeping with some comfort. Yeah. I've been able to comfort, as the word says, comfort others as you've been comforted. Yes. I believe I've been able to use this story personally. With other people that have been through rape um, in a way that I don't think I would have ever known. No, no. And God does use it for good. He does. And that's one of the things I can see is I can say, yes, I understand this happened to me. This is what God can do with that pain. That's great. This is what God can do with that shame. Don't hold it in. Right, tell someone. You know that that sounds like a a cliche, but takes the power out of it. Right, and then in Second Samuel thirteen, God gives such compassion. He gives honor and he voice to every woman who has lived through sexual abuse. Yes, he does. That is in our word.
0: That's where we find him. Our story. Yes, Second Samuel thirteen
1: in the scriptures. That's where we find her story. And the fact that it's in the Bible, that it's in the word, that God could have you know left this out. Right, because it's a very uncomfortable chapter in the life of king david.
0: I mean, the man after yeah. God's own heart does this? Yeah. Yeah. We'll get into this. that too. We're going to get into that big time yes. in a minute. So, um well, yes. at the t- okay, speaking of king david, at this time in his reign, the horrible consequences of his sin with Bathsheba are starting to unfold. The sword, violence, death, mm-hmm. all three of these are permanent guests now in his kingdom and in his family. So, we set the scene here. We have to remember that David had many wives. Was this okay with God? No. God made it clear in his laws that he wanted his kings to have one wife only. David did not obey. Not at all. I've always been... Actually, the other day, I think I did a deep
1: dive. How many wives... I get confused. How many wives... Did David had because Bathsheba is the one that just comes to mind, oh, and sure. Michael. Right?
0: But how right. many? Well, the Bible records the names of eight, <laughs> eight of David's wives. But he had more wives and concubines uh-uh. than uh-uh. that. He did, and see, and the, that's that's different for me to think about. I know this side of him and the consequences of his disobedience. Now, of his all these women that he married and had children by, that's the backdrop of the story. That's true.
1: That's true. Oh my goodness. Okay. Well, well, well. Let's see. <laughs> So what happened here? David had two children by a wife named Ma... Maica. 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 Mm-hmm. Thank you, Nan. <laughs> Maica was the daughter of a neighboring king. So David married her, I guess, in order to solidify relationships between the two kingdoms. How that How convenient. Happened a lot. Yeah, very convenient. <laughs> David and Maica had a son named Absalom and a daughter named Tamar, and they were both very pleasing to the eye. They were both very good-looking, yes. And he also had another son by another wife, and his name, the son was Amnon. And Amnon was totally infatuated with Tamar, his half-sister. In fact, the Bible tells us he was half-crazy. He was just crazy about her, that he fell
0: physically ill. Oh, how dramatic. Yeah. Okay, but... (laughs) But I Tim- think this is a narcissist right off the bat. No doubt. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Don't you think? How melodramatic! Like he's I'm he's actually so physically in love. ill. I'm physically I'm ill. So I'm so. In- in love. I have to have her. The, uh, yeah. yeah. That makes mm-hmm. me sick. Okay. <laughs> but Tamar was out of his reach. She was a virgin living in different quarters in the palace. Plus, as his half-sister, there was no way Amnon could propose marriage. That's right. But marriage was not what Amnon wanted anyway. Mm. Amnon had a first cousin named Jonadab. Jonadab was the son of David's older brother. The Bible describes Jonabad. I mean, I'm sorry, Jonadab. He was bad. He was bad, but his name is Jonadab. (laughs) There's a rap in there somewhere. But the Bible describes him as, quote, a very crafty man. And, you know, that's probably being very subtle. You know what? It's funny to think about them trying to do a family tree. Oh, I mean. <laughs> oh, yeah. How complicated would that yeah. be? Okay, so Jonadab noticed Amnon looking a bit weak and thin, and he asked him oh, why. Brother. And Amnon said, I love Tamar, my half-brother Absalom's sister. So Jonadab advises Amnon to go to bed and pretend that you're sick. And when King David checked <laughs> On you, ask him to send Tamara to come and cook for you and prepare the food in your sight, so you can eat from her hand. And that's kind of weird. I mean, did he can suspect he was being poisoned or something? And she needs to make the food in my presence. And like, yeah, how do you explain that yeah. request? Well, the only thing I can think of is he maybe he thought, you know, maybe I'm being poisoned by someone who knows that I'm in line. That's really a good theory. I like that. Yeah, I don't know because that happened all the time. Yeah, right. But so yeah, so okay, that's his little plan. So David comes and checks on him. Is what's wrong? And he says, "Can you have Tamar come cook for me? Because I just I've lost my appetite. Oh, I'm sick." of my yeah. word! Uh-huh. I hear the violin so, in the background. So. <laughs>
1: But Amnon does this, and this weird plan works. Mm-hmm. So David, King David, sends Tamar to Amnon's house to cook for him and help him get strong and recover. And he lies in bed and watches her through the open door. Mm-hmm she would have been in the open courtyard right outside of his room where the kitchen would have been. Okay, that's right. different than what we have now, but we can see that happening. Right. And Amnon is lying there watching her, drowning in lust and ideas of what he's going to do. And here's Tamar completely unaware of what's going on with this trickery. So she makes the cakes, she offers them to him, and he refuses to eat and orders everyone but her to leave the room. So for whatever reason he can't eat, but everybody must leave them together to talk through maybe right. the, what happened. So he tells Tamar to bring the food into the bedroom so maybe he could eat it from her hand. Such a faker. Her lovely hand. Yes, yeah, such a faker.
0: So, um, you can just imagine him pretending to be so weak he can't even lift his head off the pillow to eat. And poor Tamar, oh my word, falls for it. And when she gets close to him, he grabs her. Tamar begs him not to do this. She tries to reason with him based on the word of God. Right? She re- she, she quotes the Old Testament to him. She says, "Quote: No such scandalous thing should be done among the people of God." She That's f- almost what I said during my <laughs> <session>. <laughs> not quite that eloquent. No. <laughs> but, I mean, she's quoting the Old Testament. She, and yes. let me interject this. Yes. Punishment for the crime of rape in the Old Testament was d- the death penalty. That's
1: pretty awesome when you think about it. It is awesome. Yes, I love that. That's how much God cares about what happens yes. to his girls.
0: That's, That's how much he views it as a total violation, violation. of life, and of soul. someone's life and someone's soul. That's right. So she appeals to his compassion and she says, quote, how could I ever live with this shame? There's That's that it word. right there. That's There's exactly the word. exactly what it is. How could I ever live with this shame? I mean, well, Amnon doesn't care about the laws of Yahweh or her potential sorrow, and he proceeds to rape her. So he had his cake and his half-sister, too. And now, so what happens next?
1: Yeah, he didn't care about anything but himself. Right. Um, His lust, this is so interesting to me, his lust immediately after he's done this turns to hate. That's a strong word. Yeah, it is. The Bible says that his hatred for her was greater than that love that he said he had for her. So he told her to get up and get out. This is my opinion, Nan. I, I mean, I'm just interjecting this. Shame is such an underlying factor in this experience. If you're raped, you feel shame. If you've been the perpetrator, I think his shame, I think he totally projected onto her. Like, instead of understanding he felt gross for his, of what sin. He, for his sin and what he had done, he said, you know, I hate this woman. Get her out of here. So she begs him not to send her away, saying it would be worse. I mean, this is horrible for a woman in this time, too. I mean, yeah. That'd be worse for her than what he had just done, which was horrible. So she begged him to please tell King David, their father, and allow them to get married so she would not live in disgrace. But he got what he wanted and he didn't want anything else to do with her. So he called his servant and he said, put this woman out of my presence and bolt the door after her. That's get the shame out of my face. Get the shame out of my face. But get this, you guys, the word woman is not in the Hebrew text when it says, put this woman out of my presence. What's more accurate to this translation would be him saying, get this trash out of my sight. That's hideous. That's his shame. That's his sin. See, I never thought of it that way. That's what it he is. He was projecting Couldn't his Couldn't look shame. at her. Right. Had to get her out. Instead of going, I've wronged my Instead of saying, sister, I'm the trash. I'm the perpetrated the trash. this. You call her trash. That's a classic narcissist move as well.
0: Projection. So Amnon's servant threw her out. Tomorrow? It's heartbreaking. Yeah, it is. Tamara uh, was wearing the robe of a royal virgin. Right. These were long robes with sleeves and of many colors. She put ashes on her head. Maybe the ashes from the courtyard where she had just baked the bread for him. She tore <sighs> the robe she was wearing, and she began shrieking and wailing. She walked to her brother Absalom's house, and he immediately knows what's happened because of what she's doing. Right. Not only was this a serious sin that had been committed against her, it was a total game changer for the rest of her life. Now that she was no longer a virgin, her prospects of marriage and family were over. That's that's true to this time in history especially, yeah, right? Right. Yeah, oh yeah. Yeah. She could no longer live in the royal apartments of the virgins. So where could she go? Mm-hmm. Who would even want her? And who would believe her story that Amnon had raped her and that she had not seduced him? That right. often
1: happens. Well, that's why a lot of women don't come forward now. Yeah, they think they're going to be accused of being the seductress, right? And they're <clears> going, <throat> getting are on, and that they are damaged goods, and nobody will ever want to be around them. Right. That's uh, just some of the horrible fallout. Well, and she
0: said, "How could I ever How live could I with this ever, shame?" Yeah, could I ever she live with that word?
1: This? So. Her brother Absalom, also at this time, ladies, in history, it was the brother's... Job in a yes. polygamous society to protect his sister. So it was Absalom's responsibility was to protect the life of a full sister, which mm-hmm. that she was. Mm-hmm. So when he saw those ashes on her head, I love the fact that you thought they might have come from that ashes where she had just baked that bread. And um, her torn robe, robe of many colors, interesting yeah, too. Yeah, <laughs> it is, it is. And her tears. He figured it out pretty fast that she'd been raped. Now we don't know if Tamar intended to tell King David about what had happened, but Absalom tells her to please keep quiet about the whole Thing. Yeah. And he said, why would this be? Well, he's got a plan of his own to get revenge. Yes, he does. Onto, on Abnon.
0: If any other man had raped Tamar, Absalom would have avenged it immediately. Probably. It's a little more complicated now. Right. Seeks. Amnon is a half royal brother. <clears throat> I, mean, I should say it the other way. He's a royal half brother. There you go. So Absalom needs to figure out a plan to kill him without a public scandal or to maybe hurt his own plans to seize the throne, Mm. which he's got cooking in the back of his mind. So he bides his time. In the meantime, he tells Tamar, you keep quiet. Mm -hmm. Now, this instruction was destructive advice, not only for the whole royal family. It was destructive to Tamar. That's right. She was expected to hide her feelings and keep quiet and pretend it didn't happen. That's exactly what they tell people now. Yeah. Be quiet. But how? How in the world would she ever be
1: healed by staying quiet? Tamara is a victim of rape as well as a victim of enforced silence. Yes. That's a whole other yeah. wound to someone. Her first response was to go public. Yeah. Like she tears her clothes. She puts dust on her head. She walks around wailing. Everybody could have heard her. That was actually a very healthy response to what had happened to her. She's letting people know what's happened. She wants somebody to hear this and do something about it. She attempts to stand up for herself this way, hoping at least somebody in her life, some man in her life, will defend her honor
0: there. Is right and you,
1: and you, you've got to wonder if she was hoping my dad will hear me? Oh, yeah. Looking for rescue, looking for somebody that will fight for what she has just lost. But she is told, be quiet, stifle that pain. And in doing so, she stifles her very soul.
0: That's right. And as you said, women are advised to do this even now. Yes. Not Certainly not via a trained counselor. No, no. But friends, family. No, yes, don't talk don't about talk. it. Don't shh, talk. Shh, shh. Because so often it's the perpetrator is someone you know or someone in your family. That's right. And very often is someone you know. And if you come and talk about it, our world will unravel, yes. is the subtext there. That's exactly Keep right. Keep the world together yes. and hold it in. Don't. And let's pretend like this just didn't happen. Let's pretend. Don't speak. Yes, don't speak. Everybody calm down. So family secrets are a breeding ground for despair. <sighs> (sighs) And sometimes people feel they must be loyal to family members and that telling the truth about what is happening will somehow destroy the family unit, but nothing could be further from the truth. By keeping sin in the dark, Mm -hmm. there can be no healing. By bringing it into the light then those reversals happen bond that's redemption right. that's right freedom from guilt can bring hope to a broken heart
1: i think it's important before we go on with this just to make one disclaimer here nan they're talking about what david did not do well right but there are many men in power who do things with integrity oh yes there are many men that came forward in my situation and said i would have taken care of you i would have come to your house that night i would have stopped this man yes i would have i'll stand up with you you know my pastor uh the the, the man at school that was a headmaster there are many men of godly integrity. Yeah. To lump all of them into saying, you know, men have to, you know, men don't take care of women it would not be fair. No, it's now, not fair. David did not handle this well, and the men in the story, Amnon was horrible. Right. Absalom just messed up too. But that is not the intention of what we're trying to say
0: here. No, and there's no substitute for a man who steps into his role oh. of defender. It is wonderfully and comforting. protector. Yes, and uh, avenger. I mean, that's really a beautiful. Thing and I have been privileged to know a lot of men who stand for integrity. Yes, I do too. And and um who walk in integrity and would never stand for this. No, and, and, and that's
1: such a comfort to women oh, to it go is. to be under that kind of headship. Oh yeah. There's nothing wrong with that. There's an awful lot of an agenda going on right now in our culture against men. Right. And patriarchy is thrown out all over the place. The word patriarchy being evil and bad and to lump all men together in I one see, group. I see a lot of people post, you know, let women be in charged. Women would do it right. Men can't. No. no, that is a huge blanket statement that is not correct. That's a lie, too. It's a lie. So I just want to make clear. We want you all to know we're not trying to bash men in any way. No. We're just trying to tell Tamar's
0: story and give honor to that. So just want to make that clear. Yeah. Well, this gets complicated further for victims of date rape, <clears throat> victims of abuse by a family member. Yes. And the shame takes a different tone than it does when someone is assaulted by a stranger.
1: That's exactly right. I mean, Victims of abuse are defined by shame. They're defined by that if they're not allowed to tell the truth and get some help. That shame begins to define everything. I mean, Tamara was told by her brother Absalom to not take this thing to heart. As if. <laughs> said, like, said by a man, I'm sorry. Yeah. yeah, really. Don't take it to heart. Don't really? take it to heart. Yes, don't take it to heart that my life was just destroyed and my body was just abused. So where is she going to take this harrowing experience? Like to her father, King David who actually suggested she go to Amnon's room in the first place. That is so heartbreaking to me. Yeah, Was there another woman in the house she could have talked to? I we don't so. find, we we don't read in the word a single shoulder for her to fall on. So this ugly incident was to be swept under David's family rug along with others. Yeah, um, and Tamar was left to bear, this is unbelievable to me, the guilt of this shame alone, unaided and unheard. And we found a quote here, ladies, from the Wisconsin Coalition against sexual assault. Quote, many abuse victims will report that the actual physical sexual abuse was not the worst aspect of the experience, rather it was carrying such a powerful secret that must be protected. Mm. So, the overarching worse abuse here is carrying around the secret without having any kind of healing come into that secret. So to make matters worse, this broken and destroyed daughter is is subjected to what's unbelievable even more humiliation by the response or the non-response, is what I see, of her father, King David. This may have been, you know, his, when you look up at his life story, his Achilles heel was Bathsheba, Yeah. was women, yeah. issues with women,
0: yeah. with his daughter. He was seemingly indifferent what, to what just happened to her. Well, the Bible says that when King David heard about what happened, he was angry. That's all. He was just angry. Yeah, we don't know what that but he, means. But he didn't do a blessed thing about no, it. No, did Amnon not. Amnon received no punishment whatsoever, have. but why? As we said, under Mosaic law, Amnon deserved the death penalty. Well maybe had david had a nauseating flashback oh. to the time when lust brought him it's to commit adultery that's and murder good. yes he himself was guilty of assault that's right he spied on bathsheba while she was bathing he sent palace guards to bring her to him for sex this was a total abuse of his power this is so good we got to just sit here
1: for a second <laughs> This connection is so powerful because the situation with Bathsheba plays out again in his life with his daughter. It explains his silence. Yeah, it explains his silence and also shows
0: that it was never dealt with with Bathsheba. Never dealt... Oh, that's a good point. I didn't think about that. It just played out, and out into his fe- daughter's life. And and it became a legacy passed down because it was never dealt with. It was never dealt with, and look what happened to his daughter. Uh, well, Amnon was using his own fa- father's playbook, wasn't he? Yeah, he was. As David's oldest son, Amnon was next in line to inherit the throne. That's terrifying too. (laughs) (laughs) David could not bring himself to give his son the consequences of his actions. David did nothing. I mean, David didn't do anything.
1: He did nothing. Well, David
0: didn't repent of his own sin until Nathan the prophet came and confronted him. Exactly right. That's exactly right. I mean, he had been king for so long. You know, it's good to be the king. It's good to be king. (laughs) He'd been having his way in everything for so long, his conscience was seared. But he was open to the Lord. Well, yes, he he was. I mean, but this was like, this was a chink in his arm. This was a real dark part of him. Totally, totally. But yeah, at this moment in time, his conscience was seared uh, because of his repeated sins and lack of repentance. And so Amnon gets off without any consequences for his horrible deed. You know, there
1: have to be consequences to, to, to rape. Oh, yeah, there have to be. As a well, there ultimately are. There, yeah, there ultimately are, but as a society, this is destroying people when it's just hidden. Well, and we
0: have to remind us, ourselves, and our sisters who've gone through this, God is just. Yes, he is. He, he made it clear. answers these Actions, yes, he does. They will not go unanswered. These Amen. people will not go unconfronted forever. Amen. And remember, there will what, be justice. There will be justice. And remember what Jesus said about millstones, yes. being ground, yes, to be put around the necks of those who abuse. That's right. Who lead little ones astray. And that
1: is a comfort to know, you know. Yes, and also is. for anybody listening that's not spoken about this to someone that's hap- it's happened to you, please find someone, a counselor, right. somebody. You can talk to. It just takes the
0: power out of it. Well, and at the end, we've got some great resources yes, too for do. people. But justice is coming. Justice is coming. That is a comfort. And he does say, "Vengeance is mine." Oh, I was just going to say, "Vengeance will." Say it the Lord repay. Yes, He will. He saw.
1: You may not see the system here work on your behalf if you've suffered this, but God said, "I'm a bigger court. Oh, I'm the final word." That's a good
0: phrase. I'm a bigger court. I'm, I'm the bigger, final. Word. I'm the final word. I saw. I what saw happened. what
1: happened, and He made it very clear in the first book of the Bible how He feels about
0: it. Oh man. Good point.
1: So how does the Bible describe Tamar after the rape? This just breaks my heart. Mm -hmm. It says, So Tamar dwelt in her brother's house, a desolate woman. So she went to live with Absalom, her full (sighs) brother. Yes. A desolate woman. That word desolate was used to describe Nan ravaged cities and lands that lay in ruins. Mm. This girl's heart, this girl's life lay in ruins. She was disgraced. She had been ravaged. She was desolate and unable to speak of the crime that was committed against her. She wasn't given permission to grieve this. You have to grieve it. She suffered huge soul loss, as you said earlier. She needed a healing process of open grief. We've all suffered things of all kinds of losses in many ways. And the first step to healing from any loss is expressing grief and weeping through it. Then you move through what it cost you. But she lived the rest of her life, like you just said, in Absalom's house, without a husband or family of her own. In her culture, that was a death sentence. Yeah, it was. So she had no justice. Like you just said, God will bring justice. But she was ignored in the earthly world. She had no hope for her future. And Amnon received no punishment, at least for two years. Yeah. So did he think perhaps that his right as a firstborn king was going to save his royal butt? Probably. I mean, maybe. I mean, after all, he's the son of famous King David of Israel. That's right. Everybody loves him. Surely he could get away with whatever he wanted. Yeah. Spoiled rotten brat. Didn't his own father prove this to be true? People in authority can just feel they're above the law. Right. Some things are not changing, are they? <laughs> I mean, David thought he was above the law when he took Uriah's wife. Bathsheba had Uriah killed in a battle, and now his son feels like feels like his dad. He's above the law. He lusts after his half-sister, figures out how to rape her, then disgusts him, throws her out like a sack of trash, and he shows no remorse, and he's not held accountable for two years for his actions. He did not repent. He did not
0: ask God, or more importantly, Tamar to forgive his sin. He shames and he never comes clean and you know this makes me think of something else as well you know when god tells us to forgive those who've sinned against us Mm. he doesn't say when they come and apologize that's right you must forgive Mm. so often the people who sin against us never Never apologize never say they're sorry never say they're sorry and that kind of enabling to forgive can only come through the power of the holy spirit amen in our own strength there is no way no we can forgive those who sin against us in this way no amen that's really good Nan. that's good amnon never came and said tomorrow i really was awful to you please forgive me right no he didn't okay so Amnon never comes clean. He never asks her forgiveness. And this is another part of her grief. Well, I, I just want one more tangent. Yeah. It just made me Speak. think.
1: When you when you just started that comment about forgiving people who have wronged you, I thought of, I immediately thought of Tamar needing to forgive him. Uh-huh. That's, sure. That's what I go through. Oh, yeah. So I think you need to do that. You have to have some kind of extension of forgiveness of the Holy Spirit to the person that has abused you. But it doesn't mean you ever have to be around them again. Good point. Like she didn't need to live close no. by him. I guess she did at that point. Maybe she had nowhere to go. But forgiveness does not
0: equal living or putting up with the abuse again. Good point. You've got to have those healthy boundaries. Yeah. Good. I'm glad you said that. So her story plays out like a Greek tragedy. Really, truly. The senseless rape of Tamar enraged her full brother Absalom. King David didn't do squat about it, didn't punish Amnon, so Absalom takes matters into his own hands and he plots for two years. His plot was this. He invited all of his half-brothers to a feast. Hmm, All the (laughs) half-brothers. All the the eight wives and That's right. And concubines. Concubines. Before it's over, he has his servants kill Amnon at the dinner table. Wow. Yeah. An assassin. He hires an assassin to come in and kill Amnon between the f- between the soup and the entree. So <laughs> the entree and the dessert. Yes. Yeah. And in Absalom's mind, why not kill Amnon after all my hey, my dad right. killed Uriah. There you go. Why don't why don't I just and and Uriah didn't deserve it. Why can't I kill Amnon? He deserved it. Wow. So Absalom is using his father's playbook. Yes, he is. Just like Amnon used his father's. This is just Heart crushing to to think about. So, okay, it's easy for us as women to feel comforted by the death of Amnon. Good riddance we go. He got what he deserved, right? Well, right and wrong. This murder led to further disintegration of the royal family. If only they had all walked with more Integrity. If only David had showed more compassionate heart toward his daughter and set his own house in order for crying out loud. But immediately after Absalom murders Amnon, David must flee Jerusalem because Absalom is attempting a coup. Yeah. He's trying to take his father's throne. All the focus now is on King David fleeing and Absalom pursuing. And all the while Tamar is sitting at home, ignored. Desolate Desolate and ignored. The story's not about her anymore. You're right. You're right. It's about David on the run. That's true. Bigger so, stories. So Tamar becomes
1: the forgotten side of this story. It's really good. When's the last time you heard a sermon preached on Tamar, daughter like, of David? the 12th of never? 12th of never. No one talks about no. it. Even now. No. It's glossed over. Right. Also, I'm just thinking sin begets sin, begets yep. sin. Yep. You you do this and if you don't if you don't get it right with God, yep. if you don't get it right, it'll just play out and play out and get worse and worse. This is a perfect example. Well,
0: Nathan said to David when he confronted yes. him about Bathsheba, the yes. sword will never depart from your the house. The sword and he was right. That's
1: Oof. the tragic consequences really of is. sin. It really truly is. So, Nan, listeners, all of us, if Tamar was here today, would she be able to tell her story through the eyes of redemption? Would she be able to tell us that nothing could separate her from the love of God? Oh, I hope so. I hope so, too. I mean, would she say that God was by her side through all of those anonymous years after, you know, that we don't know what happened? We hope that she would have seen something of David's devotion to God, and she knew something of Yahweh. Well, the cool thing is we'll get to ask her one day.
0: We will. <laughs> we will. We'll get to tell her in person, Tamar, your story yeah, encouraged Encouraged
1: and spoke us. comfort and healing to my life and many, many countless others. Hopefully, she would speak of God's presence in that pain. Mm-hmm. It's not hard to imagine Tamar would plead... For any of us who have been abused or any abused woman, she would want to say, please share your secret, get help, get healing, get counsel. She didn't have many options no, in that didn't. time. You know, her her way of trying to do that was tearing her clothes in public and throwing the ashes on her head and all that and shrieking. But we have a different world now. There's a lot of help out there. Thank there God. There is. It's 24 hours, seven days a week. You can call the National Sexual Assault Hotline. It's 1-800-656. And you're going to love this. H o p e that's the hotline for hope 1-800-656-H-O-P-E you can call them by phone you can chat online but ladies more than anything the deepest healing for
0: our hearts and spirits is found in the love of our God amen and no one who has suffered abuse need to live as a victim that's right as with Tamar a life of desolation was never God's plan for any of us. And Psalm 34 verse 18 says, mm. The Lord is close to the brokenhearted and saves those who are crushed in spirit. And by the way, ladies, if you can hear that, that's water going what's through water? my pipes. We're, down- <laughs> we're in Nan's basement. Yeah, we're in the we storage room. We love it room. down here. We're Every in the now and then, <laughs> water has to go through pipes. I'm sorry, break the mood like that. So good. That's what's so going good. on. So no matter what has happened to us or what we've done, the events of our lives do not have to define us and Amen. most certainly not the ones that were forced upon us. Amen. These... Uh, situations, these tragedies, these assaults do not dictate how we must live. God alone and his work on our behalf are what set us free to live beyond our pain. You know, Bond, this is another reason why I love the Bible. Yes. (laughs) It covers everything we face in this world. Yes, it does. There's no pain you could experience that's not addressed in the Bible. 100%. It shows us that God uh, is not informed. God is not ignorant Mm -hmm. of what's going on. He sees our pain, and he puts ultimate value on our suffering, on our redemption, on our healing. And Tamar's story is for all women who've been treated as though they were trash. That's right. Throw her out. Get her out of my sight. Yeah. God wants to lift up your head, Mm. to look into your eyes, and to heal your heart. Amen, amen. So in light of that, what kind of life
1: does God want for us? Well, Listen to what he says in Jeremiah 17, verse 7 and 8. Blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord, whose confidence is in the Lord. He is like a tree planted by water that spreads out its roots by the stream and does not fear when heat comes, for its leaves remain green and is not anxious in the year of drought, for it does not cease to bear fruit. God does not want want a plan for your life that's desolate or in the house of crying and mourning and weeping forever. He's going to say to us over and over every day, I want a fruitful, productive life for you connected to my never ending streams of
0: living water. Oh, that's good. That's the truth. So David's daughter Tamar, we will never forget her. No, She's a heroine for all who have endured silent shame from unreported sexual abuse and and who have lived without seeing a human judge bring down the gavel. That's it right there. Or place her abuser behind bars. But there is a judge, (laughs) a judge with a capital J, who sees all and knows every hair on her heads. God loves his daughters so much that he promises he alone promises to have the final word about their healing. Justice will come and justice will be complete. You know, Hallelujah. I,
1: amen. And I'm reminded of the words that Jesus said to Saul on the road to Damascus. Why are you persecuting me? Oh, wow.
0: Yeah. He
1: okay. takes very personally what happens to us. Why are you persecuting me? I believe Jesus would
0: say, why did you rape me? Yeah, because when you do it to the least of these, the least you do of, it to, me. To me takes
1: it personally. Good point, Bon. He also promises in his great mercy to take anything that Satan has meant for evil in our lives. And I love the way you say that, Nan, reverse it. A God of <laughs> reversals. That gives me such comfort every day. He promises to bring good out of it, <laughs> which is crazy. But even if we don't see how it ever could be, praise God, he takes the Tamars of this world into his arms where they can cry Tears of pain. We can be, we can trust him. We can sit in his lap and just let it out. In his presence, there's healing without shaming us, without guilting us, or fear of dreaded memories of what's Mm. happened. Mm -hmm. That's huge. In his arms, there's peace. In God's perfect time, there is lasting justice. Amen.
0: My sister-in-law Kay Arnold is a licensed family therapist, and I reached out to her and told her this podcast we were doing, and I said, "Give me resources. What are your Wonderful. favorite books? What are your favorite resources yes. for women who have suffered yes. in this way?" And we—oh, she gave me some great stuff. Paul. Oh, I bet she so did. I we'll love put her. them in the show notes. Yes, I'll have those in the notes
1: um, on the show and on our website. Yeah,
0: tons of great books, and also uh, the. um Bon, give
1: them the... Yeah, one more time, and if you write it down, the National Sexual Abuse Hotline is 800-656 in the letters H-O-P-E.
0: So, Bon, I want to pray over our listeners. Yes, please do. Father, we pray for any of our sisters listening right now who've been the victim of sexual abuse. We ask you to heal them, give them a crown of beauty instead of ashes the oil of gladness instead of mourning, and a garment of praise instead of despair. In the powerful name of our risen Lord Jesus Christ, by whose stripes we are healed. Amen. I will rise and go to Jesus. He will embrace me in His Charms
1: Join us next time when we look at the life of Leah
0: wife of Jacob We want to thank some special people whose help made this podcast possible Thank you James Hollihan the brilliant producer
1: of our musical and thank you Michelle Marciata, the editor and producer
0: of this podcast And thank you Wayne Gurley for helping us from the very beginning to make this dream a reality and thank you to the best audience anywhere women who dare to believe